coffee and a little bit of conversation. Colin, welcome. I'm going to introduce you as a couple of names. Um, you go by Shinobi Vlog, you go by Serpico Ninja, um, hashtag Rafter. Um, but Colin Bourne is your name, and for anybody that's tuning in, there are all the different names where they can find you on YouTube, Instagram, or you know the the various nicknames you have. But what I'd like to do with this podcast is really get to know you and how your journey began. I know how well you're doing now on that, but I'm more interested to how you even got to there and how your path might have took many different directions and different turns. Uh, being a painter and doing things that probably. I'd never imagine you doing now because of what I see yeah. you doing, being Conor McGregor's conditioning coach, being his senior, uh, all these different things that, you know, amaze me that you went from A to Z. Yeah. And I'd love to hear that. So now the title is, uh, I'm the Swanior. Swanior, yeah. Is that how you pronounce That's it? It's French, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know so, how to pronounce it. Because I don't, I don't want to be called a coach. Because I'm not a coach. I'm, I'm a little bit more than just that. And a Swanier is uh, in the Tour de France. I come, I had a cycling background at one stage. But in the Tour de France, there's a guy called a Swanier. He's part of the team, mm-hmm. and he used to be a professional cyclist himself. And he waits for the guys at the end of the stages. And when the guys come in at the end of the stage of Tour de France, he's there with a little bag for you. Points to the hotel is down there. You go down to the hotel. He's already been there. He tells him you don't like pasta. When you wake up in the morning, he has your bottles filled, you know how much pressure you put in the tires. He stuffs your pockets with the food and off you go. He's the fixer. So he fills the gaps and all you gotta do is ride the bike. He's so your right he's your right and your left hand man. He basically everything just to get you on that bike. All you gotta do is ride the bike. You shouldn't have to be thinking about what air pressure or what I put on my back. Just ride the bike. So that's 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 my gig now. But how it started was From the I beginning. Yeah, I grew up in Crumlin in the eighties. When it was rough, <laughs> and uh, I kind of um, I left school at fourteen. I wasn't really good at school, so I was kind of there was like forty-two in the class. Those days, um, you didn't have to wear a uniform. Those days, they were allowed to hit you, um, and it was good because like you got a smack, and that was the end of it. You didn't have to write out three hundred lines because I was there for the transition of the, you know. The corporal punishment had gone, and then um, you ended up getting lines of detention. And I would have rather got twenty lashes on a hand with a big letter. Did you ever hear the letter? Did you? Yeah, I did. Because I'm actually I'm a kitog. I'm a left hand. So I've I've right. heard that if I existed in in that time, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be writing with my left hand now. That's back another twenty years now. I'd say. I'm a left-handed as well. Oh, okay. That's why you're so. Is so, that why? I did the, the inter-cert, as it was called then. I don't know what's called now, that intermediate cert. I don't know. What Junior cert, is it? Junior cert. It used to be called the inter-cert. I did that. And um, in the summer holidays, I was like 14, and I got an apprenticeship with my uncle. So I started before we went back. And at the time, like, nobody ever went to college. So it was a case of either my father was a painter, his father was a painter, his father was a painter, my mother's father was a painter, all her brothers were painters. His father, his father. And in the first ever guild of painters and, and tanners, it's in Audience House Museum, is the Bournes. So it goes back maybe four or six generations. So I'm the last one. So it was kind of like something I had to do. So I got a job with my uncle Tommy. And I used to make uh, 40 quid a week. And he used to give me mile 20. And then I got stopped PRSI. I used to get 17. 
Mm-hmm. And that was it. And then the guy next door to me was a guy called John Sheen, and John Sheen was always in the garage next door. And he was always fixing bikes, and he used to have a nose, you know, being there all night and pulling bikes together, pushing them apart. And I used to have a, I just go and have a chat with him, and then he was racing, and and he said, "Why don't you take up racing?" So I started a job, spent all my money on on putting together a bike, and started racing bikes at like fifteen. And um, that's what I pretty much do, did until I was 22. For about four years, I kind of was full-time. I raced for teams in, in Africa, in Senegal, and Dakar, and in Guadeloupe in the Caribbean. And that's how I met the doc. Um, Julian Dalby. Julian Dalby, yeah, the doctor himself. So what happened was John and, and, and Julian were very friendly. They used to like uh, take turns and win a race. They had a little bit of a mafia going on, and they'd gang up on people because the two of them are very good sprinters, and they'd... They'd lead each other out, help each other out in those days in, in, in Ireland. And uh, Julian had ridden in France with a team called Pascal. And they'd put him on to another team that was in Guadeloupe. I'd never heard of Guadeloupe. And Guadeloupe was a Caribbean island, but it was part of France. It still was French. So it's like an island in the Caribbean with motorways, whereas the rest of the Caribbean is like banana republics, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, one, one winter, I went skiing with John and Julian came. And he was going off to, uh, to Guadalupe after that. And I asked him, would they get me a ride on a team if I paid for my flight? And uh, I got this handwritten letter and pencil back saying, look, if you pay for your flight, they'll pay for you when you get here. So I was working. Who was I working for at that stage? I was working with Clondalk and spray, I had a little spray booth. I used to spray furniture. Or... Um, was called I, I can't even remember the name of the company it was but it was about a year and a half spraying furniture and it was like spraying furniture was never really a good thing for the lungs and bad for the head mm-hmm. I was looking for the excuse and when I got the letter I went in that day I said look I'm leaving today and I had a 800 quid I went into um, Dorset Street and I went to a travel agent and I bought a ticket Dublin Paris Paris Square Loop and it cost me 740 pounds I actually found the, t- the actual receipt there recently and um, I had 60 quid in my pocket and I got on a plane and I didn't even know where the fuck I was going. And that's like pre-internet now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was kind of like, um, it was. I, I was always going for taking a chance. Taking a chance, but going for Saying yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I always said yeah. Do you want to do this? Yeah. You kind of, you like to go with your gut instinct, is it? Yeah, if I didn't say yeah, I'd always kick myself afterwards. So I tended to, tended to when, when I, I just wanted to do something. I like to travel at the time, but like, you know, it was expensive to travel then. It wasn't, it wasn't cheap. I mean, Ryanair changed the whole game when they started bringing in cheap flights. But like at that time, it would have cost you to fly to Paris, probably about four hundred pounds. So you're talking like six hundred euros to get to, to Paris, and that was standard. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was a big ordeal. That's why it was kind of like exclusive that you flew. It was kind of one of those things. That was just a bus ride, but um. Yeah, it was a luxury and now it's just an Airbus. But you know when I think of like kind of all those yes, you you know, you agreed to and I kind of think it's easy for us to sit here now and say, looking at you and say, well, those yes didn't do you any harm. They clearly took you down a pretty, pretty good road. You followed your dream, you followed passion. Um, And, you know, for people out there now that are like afraid to say yeah and still kind of, you know, filled with anxiety and oh you know what i like this little comfort zone i've got here i like to just go to work come home go to gym do my thing that's it but all these risks that come towards you maybe hurdles and challenges some people are afraid to take them and i think 
you're a clear example of somebody that maybe you know what this mightn't be the best decision but let's give it a chance and it clearly didn't do you any wrong so far it's the people you meet yeah it's not really the trip or it's not really like how we did in the races or it's it's, it's none of those things it's the it's the the people you meet and the experience that you get so for instance like i would have experienced things there that no one from crumlin would have ever experienced you know when i was growing up you went to the local pub met some chick in the pub you got married you moved around the corner from your ma yeah and dropped the kids down to be and that that was it that was like at 19 i was pretty close to doing that you know i was pretty close to getting engaged and getting hooked up with some chick down on drimnet and you know, and all of my friends did the same thing, and it was very close to doing that. I could have, you know, she was at the football, and that could have been it. Whereas, um, that didn't work out, and then I took the chance on this, and then when I got there, I couldn't speak French. Everyone spoke French. Not a word. No one spoke English. So I'm there, and and I, I don't know if you've ever been in a place where nobody speaks the lingo, and I kept asking Julian, "What are you saying? What are you saying? You know, all this sort of thing." And he, he used to say, like, look, if it's important, you'll find out. And that was it. So for months, I didn't have any communication with anybody, only Julian. Not that, that was kind of interesting. Not I that, um, six weeks. Yeah. But when I think of Julian, kind of, clearly, you and him are an excellent team, whether it's being involved with Connor through the cycling end of it, the strength and conditioning end of it. But I think just, I think from the outside, I, I I know some of the guys in SPG. I know a good load of them. And anytime your name comes up, or the Doc, it's never Julian. It's never uh, Julian Dalby. It's the Doc. Anytime the Doc or your name comes up, I mean, it's always always good praise. Like, oh, two of the greatest guys you could meet. Um, someone actually who's very close to you guys in the new SPG, um, working beside you, like Sean Fitzpatrick. He's a good friend of mine and good family friend. Like, Sean brought me down to, to Mark. I went down. I was about to do some PT and that. Obviously, this virus came along, so won't be in the gym for a while. But they were, like, saying, you know, like, oh, you need to get the doc on. You need to get the doc on. And I was like, yeah, no, I will. And they were laughing and sharing some of the stories that he might have shared. But I always kind of had an interest in you for some reason because I guess you have something about you that I can nearly relate to. It's that you create. You know, you you. you constantly create and you do this thing where even back to the Mac Life days and you see Connor walking down the road whether it's the Mayweather tour or whether it's the, the Nate Diaz um, camp you're always in the background with this camera and I always was called that kind of kid growing up like oh, you're always filming and videoing but I always like to capture the moment and create the story edit it and I like that about you and, and that's why I wanted to get you on to, to speak about creating and what that does for you and why you found yourself so involved in creating? Well, when I, I suppose, like, if you fast forward a little bit, when I got this gym, I got this gym, uh, or dojo, as I like to call it, because it's more than just, I, I'm going to stop calling it a gym, call it a dojo, because that's, yeah, that's yeah. what it is. It's a place of learning. The gym is just a place with heavy heavy things in it, you know? Um, and when I, I got here 10 years ago, I made the decision, I was painting houses on a building site, and I was looking at this dude that was like 10 years older than me, and we used to all go to somebody's house to have tea at one o'clock. And you'd sit on a paint can and you'd, you know, they'd all be eating crisps and fucking breakfast rolls. And one of the dudes who was 10 years older than me was sliding down the wall because his knees were fucked from kneeling down doing skirts. And I just thought, if I keep going, that's going to be me. So I, 
I'd come over here um, and I'd got a place here and I was thinking like, how, what could I do to, to live here? You know that kind of way? Mm. And I just thought, oh, fucking, I'll look at an MMA gym. You know, no, no one has one here. It's, no one knows what it is. It was all kickboxing crap, my God. So I was looking around, looking around, doing the usual thing, looking in warehouses, that kind of shit. And then some guy says, hey, listen, there's a place down in the Lagos. Used to be a gym there, like, has been closed for eight years. So give me the number, called the guy, came down. They got the key, came in and said, well, I'll take it. And it took me about, like, a year, two, no, it took me two years to get it because they didn't know who owned it. It was just the legalities of shit here. Like, the red tape here is just ridiculous. And it was built around the time they had a dictatorship here in 71. That folded. That had already started building and somebody else picked it up, somebody else picked it up. So by the time it all was true, no one knew who owned the fucking gym. So I finally got it. And when I got it, I got a camera, and I always had a camera like you, but I always, I never did fuck all with it. I just had a camera and shot, never really edited. And um, I started thinking back to when I was in Guadeloupe, and Julian's stories now are slightly different to my stories. And I don't know re- really what happened. I know it was there, and I know the characters that played a part in it, but the the nuances, I don't know whether he's right or I'm right. So I decided to start video and shit because. You're not going to do this forever. And if you think you're going to be in the, in the same spot, well, good luck to you. But I'm not. You know, I'm not going to be doing MMA for the rest of my life. I'm going to do other stuff. I'm going to move on to other. There's so much to do in life. This is just a stop, look, listen till the next thing. So I decided to document it. And another example of that was my grandfather used to live next door. And he he was like, I never got on with him. He was cantankerous. He just talked about the war, you know, the civil war and you know, all this shit. You know, when you're a kid and you go in and you just hear this guy talking about stuff. And then I, I used to think, like, at one stage, he was, was a mad bastard. Do you know what I mean? At one stage, he was in his 20s, up to all sorts. But, like, I don't know that guy. But if I'd seen a video on YouTube, I would have got on better with him. That's you know what really I mean? good. So really decided, good. So I decided to video myself now in this stage of my life instead of when I get older and start growing tomatoes out the back. And, I, and I'm bitter and twisted, right? Talking about be. the war. But, talking about the war you know when i was your age son there was a virus yeah there was a virus yeah and we all had fuck all you couldn't go outside the door but uh but i was still shooting me vlog and what happened then was i'd done about five or six hundred and then how the mac life happened was um connor had been here and then um he'd gone back and he was going to la and he rang me and uh, I said, who's going to LA with you? And he said that nobody. And I said, look, if no one's, no one's gone, I'll, I'll go with you if you want some of the whole pads or do jiu-jitsu or whatever. And he goes, would you go? I said, yeah, fucking right, I'll go. I'm going to fucking heartbeat. So the next day, I went to LA with him. And we flew in. Dublin, LA. It was me, Connor D, and Basile, the masseuse. Uh, the copper. Man. Yeah, right? Hands of fucking steel. So... We went there, and I had the camera with me, because I was still into that, shooting vlogs and stuff like that. And um, we, we get off the plane, we go straight to the studio where they make those um, video games. And he's in that Call of Duty, right? So I pull out the camera, and I start videoing him going in, and they're all out to meet him, and it's a whole big thing. And no one's stopping me using the camera. I'm thinking, well, some say someone's going to tell me to put the fucking camera away. No one did. Because you know why? Everybody wanted a selfie with him. And they weren't going to tell me to put the camera away. So I just videoed after him. And then he's in this big ball thing. And there's like a uh, hundred cameras in this ball. And all these lights start flashing. And you just hear it. 
and it captured him in all these poses. All those you know, dots like the, on his face, isn't it? Later. Spots on his face and all this shit. And it was just like, and laser, they kind of, they have him in 3D from a laser. Crazy. And I started shooting all this. And then the next day, I woke up, edited the video for him, and he got up for breakfast. I said, have a look at that there. And he goes, what's that? I said, that's your movie from yesterday. He goes, what are you talking about? He said, like every day's a fucking movie with you. And uh, he looked and he goes, you just that? Yeah, you just did that now, like half an hour. And uh, I said, look, you should be doing videos of this shit. I mean, no one, no one's doing any of this because at the time in MMA, no one was doing any like vlogs or any of that kind of shit. It was, I was kind of into Casey Noyce that even before he did vlogs when he was making little films. And I just thought, look, here's an opportunity where you could be the guy that is the first guy doing these. And then I said, let's make a YouTube channel. And he said, look, a friend of his had already done this Mac Life thing, uh, Leo. And um, I said, all right, well, let's put it on fucking, let's put it on the Mac Life. That's Leo Dunphy, the, is it? That's yeah, Lee Dunphy, yeah. Hmm. And uh, I got a touch of Lee. He just had like one video that was big with the, the rock. You know, he shot it on his, on his phone. It was with the the big lad. He shared it today, did he? What's that? He shared it today. The mountain, is it? Mountain? Yeah. Connor, Connor just put it up today, actually, again. Um, just just on the story but anyway yeah no that, that's crazy let's let's fucking let's do this let's pack <clears> this shit out do something make your own like information's power and if you've got your own media channel you know this was all like very new you know and he said yeah let's do it and then the first time we we pressed go we got on a plane to vegas and by the time we got off i'd, ha I'd had like a half a million views and uh it was just that it was just it just blew up real quick and I was so competitive that I was trying to shoot when you know like the guys from Embedded were in I was shooting at the same time and I would have it edited I knew the guy couldn't keep up with me and I could have it edited and banged there with just me and a computer and there was a whole team because they have to go through everybody mm -hmm. but Dana has to okay it so I used to get it out before Embedded it got to the stage where Dana rang Connor asked him what's the story with these fucking videos you know so it was uh, it was just that thing and then it just became more and more and I remember at the start saying look if this gets in the way of me or you I'm going to stop and it did it got in the way like uh, the Mayweather one I just had the camera it used to be just take it out for a few minutes put it back and go back to doing what we should have been doing which was you know training and doing all our stuff and making sure he's on the ball and then for the, the Mayweather fight I just had the camera in my hand all day and I ended up you know getting into because it was such a circus getting into fights with other cameramen for position and I just Forgot, forgot what it was meant to be doing. I'm so glad you said that because when I spoke with Keith Joyce, I think he was, you know, one of the torty episodes I done um, at the time, and he said I to me, it. "Yeah, I think he was like torty eight or something." But he said to me, "Like, I look back at all the years and stuff like that, but the Mayweather one was a really hard one to live in the moment and and actually be present." He said it was just such a circus. So um, I can only imagine what you're what you're saying. Like, obviously, when you were there, you were trying to soak it all up, and but at the same time, you were living through the lens in a sense, were you? Hey, you look at your lens all the time. So you're not like, for instance, like I walked out in New York. He's wearing a mink coat, and I'm walking backwards up a runway that's like four foot off the ground with like on a red carpet with uh, uh with twenty thousand people. I didn't look up once. I just counted my steps. Mm. But um, I took it all in, but. It just distracted me from what the job was, mm -hmm. if you know what I mean. Like why you went with him, why you went with him to LA. It, the camera just happened, but that before all that, nothing got to do with it. 
before all that, it was like I got a call off after he lost that Diaz one fight, and um, he'd actually seen one of my vlogs, and I knew I knew Connor since he started, and, and um, it was a case of he'd been here a few times, uh, and when he lost that fight, he asked me would I be able to, you know, you remember you used to cycle? Could you do anything? How he would cardio and stuff like that. I said, yeah, let's 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 do it. And then we got the doc in, we got him tested, and he came down here, and then we just continued on. Can you tell but, us a little um, bit about you know the time about Poland or something like that uh, when you when you guys went over to Gunny Nelson? What happened there? Was it like you just like got like last minute notice or something? No, he he'd been here for the week. So what happened was like um, we got him lab lab tested in in Dublin, right? And then him, John. Artem, I think, was Lee down? Yeah, I think Lee was here as well. And, yeah, he was. And uh, Lee Hammond. And they'd come down for a week, and the doc had come down. And we just gave it to him plain and simple. Like, here's here's what's, here's what's what your levels are. Here's what here's what you could be. Um, and the thing with MMA guys is they tend to overtrain all the time. First guy in the gym, last guy in the gym. You know, it's that. More is better. And sometimes more is not better. And, um... We trained for a week. We we give him all the advice that we we could give. Um, we we did. I did both sessions with him. I did the cardio and I did the MMA sessions with him. So by the end of the week, I was pretty like fucking happy to see the back of him because I was bollocks from I hadn't done two a day for a week for a long time. This was work. And yeah, this was work. So we, I'm like, okay, weeks up, off you go now. Good luck. Thanks for coming down. Great. <laughs> yeah, right. And then um, myself and the doc were just having a defrag and we we're just going up to say goodbye to them. And I get a, a text. Do you want to go to Iceland? And I was like. Yeah, thanks. I was thinking like, yeah, maybe next year or something, they're going to Iceland. So we go up to see him at the pan and he's like, well, well, what? Do you want to you come to Iceland? I said, well, when? He goes, now we're going to Iceland now. And I was like, fucking hell. Uh, can I go tomorrow? Because I need to wrap up a few things. Yeah, yeah. So his people got in touch with me and then I got the, the ticket to go to Iceland. But the, the, the bizarre one was um, I flew from... Portugal to London and then London, Iceland. But when I got to um, London, I got a text off John Cabinet, can I go to Vegas? Now, this is, I've been living here for like six years in a cave. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But I hadn't gone anywhere. And it went from like, you know, you see the way you're all in lockdown and all that. Like, this, my regular winter here is like that. Everyone fucks off because it's a, it's a um, seasonal. It's a summer camp. Seasonal, so there's not a sinner around. Like it's no different to what it is any other time. To be honest with you, right? So I'm used to that. And then to go, you know, get on a plane because I haven't been on one in ages. To go to, can you go now? And then when I got to, can you go to? And then I was like, fuck it. They didn't answer me back, so I got on the plane to Iceland. And when I landed, there was no one there to meet me. And uh, my phone just blew up. Well, he he just retired, right? He just done that kind of like. Thanks for the cheers. Uh, thanks. For and I was just like, no. No, not now. I just got here. You know, not now. I just got here. You know what I mean? So they picked me up. We went up to the house, and then he was there. It was just a bit of crack, you know. We just started training again. That was that was that was Iceland, you know. Yeah. I actually, mount, I met the mountain. Yeah, I what was that mountain. like? Um, interesting because I was around that bodybuilding scene for a while, and they're all very like um, bodybuilding lads. They're usually one of three things, you know. Um. Daddy never loved them. Small man syndrome or bullied in school. And, and they're just machines. No, they're all they're very insecure guys, a lot of them. Not all of them, but some of them are, right? 
and and they have this thing where you know the worst thing you can say to a, a big guy is you're you losing some weight. <laughs> so he walked in right, and um, I've never met him before. But he had to duck under the uh, under the thing, and I like to throw the odd curveball every now and then just to see the reaction. And we're going to bounce off and freak out. So he walks in and, and I goes, hey, "You look like you lost a bit of weight, have you?" And he was just like, "No, no, how?" And he just went from that to like that, like <laughs> boom. That was it. That's how. That's what, that was my conversation. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would think kind of like with yourself and how far you've come and that, but you know, when you when you speak about some of the journeys you've been on, and, and obviously to get to here and that, like the doc obviously played a massive part in that, and you know that that neighbor, that guy John Shane, like played a massive part, in it. Yeah. and without knowing that your father and uncle played a massive part, like all these things happened, but. If they hadn't have happened, you mightn't have took the direction you did in certain ways. Um, so I'm yeah, kind of... No, that, that was it. That was really it. Yeah, yeah. Definitely John did because then he introduced me to Julian. But Julian had a very different way of seeing the world. It was very, very different to me. You know, I'd grown up in a very dogmatic kind of like institutionalized type of a, a small um, box. And he was this guy that did things completely the opposite to everybody else I'd ever met. And, it, and it, it puzzled me. Like, he used to, like, I remember dropping a plate on the ground and scurrying quick to pick it up. And he was like, what are you rushing for? It'll be there in 10 minutes. And he made me question everything. And, he, like, he was a great mentor to me where it, it almost, like, reprogrammed me. He taught me how to cook. He taught me how to eat. He taught me how to train. He taught me how to sleep. But in a kind of like, not one of these ways where I'd sit down and take a notebook and he'd start, you know, telling me what to do all my life. I just had to watch him. And because uh, he was such a phenomenal athlete, um, I'd never seen anybody was able to push themselves that hard. But he was just, he was just a bizarre character that, that just uh, really made me stop and think about how I was doing things and what, why, why I did things certain ways and why I didn't do them other ways or what's right and what's wrong. I have this very good friend in um, in Australia. He's from Belfast, White Roger. There was two Rogers, White Roger and Black Roger. Is he the guy White that Roger. featured in your vlog the other day? Yeah, great yeah. guy, great guy. Mad fucker. But he has this thing where he's willing to believe that everything he knows is wrong. And I aspire to be like that. Yeah, and it just means you're or people because people say I'm very open and very this, but are you willing to believe that everything that you know is wrong? Where well, he is, mm -hmm. so you don't be righteous. So with with Julian, I always felt um, intrigued by how he saw things, because some people are just see, no, you're doing that wrong, pal. You know, no, pal. You know, whereas I rather look at things like, how does he do that, and what is he seeing that I don't see? Like there's another guy I know, John Griffith. He used to be in this club. I threw him out, beat the shit out of him, and then threw him out because he was being an arsehole. But I always would ask him for his opinion because it's completely different to mine. And I, I wonder why he sees that and I don't. For instance, if I made a video that I was happy with, a lot of people, I, I'd show it to you, like, that's great. Because the fans of yours, of course they're going to say it's great. Their family, their friends, of course they're going to say they love you. Ross, but listen to your podcast, it's fantastic. Ask someone who does podcasts that you don't know how, how fantastic your podcast is. Ask him, what do you think of that? You know, oh, tweak it here, tweak it there. You maybe you could do this. It's constructive feedback. It is because I've no, I've nothing in common with him. So he he's looking at things through a different lens to me. 
and, I, and I'm, I'm willing to see or ask him, why, you know, what does he see that I don't see? Because if he sees it, somebody else sees it. And so I, I always find to, um, my old man has this saying, wait for the hair to sit. You ever hear this saying? No. So you know a hare, it's like a big rabbit. It runs really fast, greyhounds chase it, but it always stops and sits. And that's when you shoot it. Not when it's bombing all over the fucking the field. Mm-hmm. You sit there with the rifle and wait for the hare to sit. When it sits, take a shot. And, and in the chaos, I don't want to make a decision. Let the chaos go on. But when it stops, and it will be, or get into the center of the chaos, the calm and the the storm you've heard of this mm-hmm. the center of storm is always calm so get if it's chaos get in the middle get in the middle where it's calm mm-hmm. and then make your mind up and then get back out they're like you know a couple of things um, I've been thinking about recently I read them you know you're in a circle and that and you know that they say like the five closest people to you are the five biggest influencers and stuff like that and choose wisely blah 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 but the inner circle thing I'm, I'm actually paying a lot of attention to because somebody comes to you and they say look Colin this big problem's going on. Do you hear what happened to X, Y, and Z? And you say, look, you take it on board, but at the same time, is it actually directly affecting your inner circle? It's like that kind of, um, if it doesn't directly affect you, you know, you're going to be there to support people and stuff like that, but don't take it on board. Don't kind of, you know, let it then drag you down. And I'm kind of doing that a bit more often now, rather than in the past, somebody came to me and might have said, look, look, this and that I actually took that problem on then and um, whereas now I'm, I'm kind of going look I'll give you the advice or I'll give you what I think would be best but at the same time I'm like I don't want to become part of the problem I'm kind of just focusing on me and my inner circle I understand what you mean I mean I used to I used to be like that you'd see people in the street that are homeless and you felt bad for them or you feel someone you know that's like there was a chick here in Lagos obviously had some sort of like psychotic episode and she was kneeling in the center of the slave market square where they used to sell slaves down the road there back in the day, naked. You know, with head down. You can tell like she's at the end of her tether. Mm-hmm. Before I would have, that would have devastated me. But now it's kind of like, well, that's her dharma. Mm-hmm. That's her way. That's 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 her. That's her. What's going on with her, yeah. Um, yeah. Another thing yeah. as well, like, do you ever hear like people saying about you know, the day you think you know it all is the day you stop learning. Like, you know, that kind of attitude where, like, or did you, you say, Colin, you say to me, did you ever hear that yeah. saying, you know, wait till the hair sits still? I say back to you, yeah. Did you ever see that film? Yeah. Did you ever read that book? Yeah. Like, that's the attitude of a lot of people. And when they respond by just simply saying, yeah, I've seen it. Oh, well, what was your favorite part in it? Oh, I can't remember. That whole thing, whereas, I, my attitude now has changed to be no, tell me more or you know what's it like or what did you think about it. I'm so interested why I started even the podcast in understanding and getting to know people and why they like certain things and why they're drawn to certain things and you know understanding people's journeys and paths and why they choose certain ways of the fork in the road. And I, I'm super fascinated with that lady. Yeah, I think I think a lot. I think a lot of stuff is down to. Um, just experience, you know, and, and, and I have this philosophy, of it, it can always be worse, it doesn't matter how bad it is, if you think it's bad now, it can always be worse, mm-hmm. it can always be worse, you know, I'm, I'm reading, um, 
I'm reading. <clears throat> I won't say I'm reading again. I never read in my life. Um, only a very few books. Was that way Roger sent me? But apart from that, I started to this year. I decided to double down on myself. So everything that I was doing, I doubled it. So I was eating healthy. I I doubled how healthy I was eating. If I was training, I doubled the quality of the training. If and, and not only that it was what I was putting in here as well as what I was putting in here. So I started to kind of look for ways to make this as sharp as the exterior. Um, I studied Chinese medicine once in, a, in another lifetime, and uh, there's no difference between the physical and the emotional. They don't treat one or the other. It's both the same thing. So if I'm just it's like karma. People think, do you know what karma is? People think karma is do good, and good comes back to me. No, that's called favor. Do you a favor, you owe me a favor. That's not karma. You have to serve people. That's karma. But it's not also what you do, it's also what you think. There's a great line in a YouTube movie, or a YouTube song, and it's, um, I don't believe in murder, I don't believe in rape, but every time she passes by, wild thoughts escape. That's bad karma. So a lot of people think karma is not what it is. It's, it's not favor. It's serving. It's doing something that nobody knows that you did. But you know. That's enough. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of the stuff that, that I do, I tend to, like today I wrote to three people that told them I loved them. Randomly. Out of the blue. Is, is that you why, know, I, 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 I was wondering why you sent me that message. I didn't know what I'd done. What was that? I was wondering why I was one of the three. <laughs> it's kind of like, it's one of those things that, you know, you you got to like, you, you got to put good stuff in your head as well as good stuff in your, like, if you only put bad shit in your head, like, for example, I was at home and my mother watches soap operas all fucking night. Like, how can you pour that shit into your head? No? So, mm. Excuse me, I mean, I was working out. No, that's cool. Come here. And I have, I have, <laughs> I have, um, I have a kind of segment I'm starting to do now. I, I've done it in my first ever episode over a year ago. Um, and I've done it yesterday on Skype with a um, psychologist. So I want to do it with you because I don't think it's it works for every guest. Um, but the Skype ones... <laughs> the, <laughs> the Skype ones, it seems to work. So I'm going to throw it at you and see what you think. So have you ever heard of the Desert Island Discs? Right, it's a BBC radio um, podcast, and it's out years. Like it goes back to like the late eighties, early nineties, right? So basically, bring what you if you're going in a desert island. Yeah, I have heard. Of it. Yeah, yeah, right, right, brilliant. So I listen to them, and I, you know, I love them. I think they're great. And I was listening to one there about a year ago, and I came up with this idea where I was like, you know, I'm a bit like you. I'm a creator, and I'm always trying to, you know, try something new and and stimulate and channel into that creative side of me. So, um. I came up with an idea where I was like, right, I want to do that, but I can't call it Desert Island for Desert Island Disc Conversations and Coffee Podcast version. So I came up with Suitcase for Space. So my idea was, and this this even broadened my scope wider because Desert Island Discs is clearly music, Desert Island, whereas Suitcase for Space, I came up with the idea to, if you had to pack up a suitcase for tomorrow and you were going to space, what would you bring with you? So that you're, can, all, you're asking a man that lives there with suitcase for the last <laughs> time. So that would be like that would be like books, 
Um, it could be like music, could be your favorite records, it could be your foods, it could be like you know poems. I I don't know what it would be, but you know I I'd imagine there'd be about fifty different hats in it. Um, but you know the reason I'm asking you is because you've got books, you've got songs you like, you've got foods you like. But what I'm asking you, Colin, is if this case you took with you had these items in it and that was it. I mean, you can have an endless amount of them. I'm not saying that you're going to just run out, but you don't need to ration. But why would you bring these books? Why would you choose these songs? And what means most to you, you know, at the moment? What, what would you bring with you? Well, I've had, I've had this. I've been an awful hoarder all my life. And it's, I've had this goal in life. There's a guy called Steve Maxwell. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. No. He's a guy who's like 70 ish he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu he's one of the guys that was around with the gracies when they started forced he used to have a gym he used to have a condominium he used to have a boat he used to have a wife he used to have an apartment he used to have a villa and now he travels the world doing seminars on kettlebells and fitness and mo mobility and motion and he has one bag that he carries on his back and he doesn't own a key and and for a long time that was my goal one like a minimalist kind of a kid, to anything like, the worst thing I ever did in my life is get a mortgage. You know the way everyone's like, I need to buy a house. Worst thing I ever did, enslaved. Enslaved. If I was to bring one thing, I'd bring a camera. Yeah. But I also, I've got, Spotify has just revolutionized music for me again. Because I have this um, Discover Weekly thing on it where it's the same Yeah, yeah, shit. I like, love it. Like, most of the time, I just listen to chill music. My favorite band of all time is Massive Attack. And it's just trip pop from, from Bristol from the, the mid-90s when the whole rave thing started off. And, and Bristol was this hotbed for, for this music called trip hop. And it's it's some of it's dark, some of it's not. They they Actually, the guy from Massive Attack is probably Banksy. And they're just artists. It's like pure arts. It's like people say, I'm an artist, I'm a musician, but these guys are. And I, I, I travel anywhere to see them. Once it was in like a, a nice venue, they, they played the Olympia there before I left um, for here 10 years ago. And it was the most mind-blowing gig I'd ever been to. And I only had one beer at it, but I felt like spaced out at it. It's just like the, the sensory overload of what they do. And um, I find there's so much more great music now because it's you know before you had to you know before the internet or before electronic music you, you had to play an instrument and, and that meant and like I don't know about you but when you were in school like could your mother afford for you to go to piano lessons once a week or guitar lessons once a week probably not you know and could, they, could they buy you a piano or a violin that cost 10 grand probably not so it was very limited to, to who had the access to create music whereas now I get Cubase a laptop and a fucking keyboard this size and anyone in their bedroom can write their fucking can can be write a masterpiece because it's in them but they were never able to express it and I, I, I just find the the internet has allowed music and now Spotify has allowed me to listen to genres that I'm, discover people that I would never discovered and I really I must say like for a long time there, I went through this phase of just quiet. For a long time, I went through a phase of noise. 
I could always have the TV on. I always had to have the sound because my head was noisy. And if I turned it off, I couldn't deal with the fucking noise in my head. Then when I came here, because of the quiet in the winter, I started to fall in love with the quiet and the still and the calmness. I also like the madness, but I like the calmness, the stillness, and just being out on my own. And, and I found recently then I started getting back into my music in the morning. So I have like a ritual I do in the morning now. And I play, I play certain types of music. And I dance a little bit and just don't give a fuck. Just let it go a little bit. And I find if I was to have a bag with, with I'd like to limit myself to um, a couple of hats, <laughs> camera. <laughs> If I was only to take one camera, I, I have all the cameras. <laughs> I, 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 I kind of got into this kind of stuff mode for a while there because it was just everywhere I went, it was just people were just giving you stuff. Do you know what I mean? Every time you go on a camp, boxes arrive at the house, people sending stuff, hopefully that you might wear or... Reebok, jocks, socks, tracksuits, runners. Well, not only Reebok, you just get, like, I get DMs on my Instagram all the time. Hey, do you want this? Do you want that? And it just gets sent, and it's just stuff, and you leave half of behind, you know. And usually, I just bring it back for the lads in the gym here. But um, it got to the stage where I was just like, "Stop, stop with the fucking stuff." And I got lost in the camera stuff for a while. I just got like, "Oh, I've got to get this camera. It's a better camera. I got to get this camera. This is a better camera. This is it." You know, and he just got all the cameras. So I've gone back to just using one camera, one lens, and just concentrating on making good stuff instead of buying the book with all the answers in it and never fucking reading it. You know that book? Mm-hmm. That everybody, uh, I'm going to get the self-help book and I'm going to be self-helped and it's in the book. All the answers are there. I just mm-hmm. have to read it. You did know, you ever see, um, I don't know if you're much of a TV watcher or anything like that, but did you, did you ever watch on Netflix, um, The Minimalist? No. I, no, Colin, that's the only thing. I don't watch on TV. You need, to, you need to stream it or something, but The Minimalist is I about... I have Netflix, but I never watch it. So I, yeah. I, I have it, but I don't. I don't want. I like, like I say, like, like in even time now, I, I just I, I listen to tunes and and then I'm, I'm I started I started doing the blog again. I stopped doing the blog, basically, because I just got mad into doing videos. And then after the Mayweather, I was just like, oh, fuck, I'm over. And I remember starting doing a few ones again. I was just like, do you know, I'm over the genre of talking to a camera. I think it's done. You know. And I was looking for something else to be creative. I wanted to make little short films and stuff. And then when all this virus thing happened, I thought, do you know what's going to happen? All the snowflake Instagram models are going to fall apart in a couple of weeks and cry into their mocking fucking <laughs> matcha tea. You know what I mean? And I just thought, do you know what? This is a good time to document stuff. This is a good time to see, like, um, what, you know, how, how you're living your life in a certain environment that's unsure or unknown but like i say it could it could, it could always be worse it could always be worse mm-hmm. i had um, the internet but like you oh yeah no but come here that's why i think even like i was having this conversation right now like we, we tried to have it in the past and then obviously the donald Cerrone fight and that and you had to travel and you know what? I'll, I'll be honest with you ross like after the fights are over i'm fucking done mm. you know mm. I'm, I'm done like it, it takes so much out of it that you put so much of your life into it that mm. there's so much energy like, and so much will and so much oh like I give everything to it I give everything I give like my main goal in life is just is just Connor winning the fight that nothing else takes priority over that not me not anybody not him just him and 
and just being part of that. And then when it's done, I'm just done. I'm nothing left. And like even the after party, like I had one drink for the after party and then just fucked off. I'm just done. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to, you know what I mean? I'm just like, I just need to fuck off back here. And I can relate to that, yeah. I mean, the after party for yeah. some people is, is, is a high and it's a good place to be. Whereas you've been on the high, you've been on the journey and it's time just to kind of let it, let the wind soak in and, and spend some time with yourself really, isn't it? It's just, yeah, it's just like, I'm done. I've done my job. I'm fucked. I'm going to, good luck. See mm. you. Mm. I'm out of here. You know, mm. it's just like, it, it's just a, such a ramp up that afterwards, like even like one of my goals in life was to go to the Burning Man and after the Mayweather fight, someone had a ticket for me and it was in like the exclusive part, like they were one of the organizers, so there was showers and there was like, you know, running water and toilets, plum toilets. Just couldn't do it. Couldn't you weren't it. in the right got, state of mind, no? I got five days in the desert. You didn't need to be switched on for that completely. I just hadn't got it. I was like, fuck, man, I can't. I just want to get on a plane and get the fuck out of here, you know? But that was it. So, uh. Just the timing of it, yeah. It's just the timing of things. So, like, that's what I say. Like, after the, after the, the cowboy, I just, you know, I wanted to do the podcast, but I was just like, man, I just. And that's completely understandable. Just, that's crazy. Like, I come just, home from the shift after work yeah. and I don't want to do one. I mean, <laughs> you know, that. You, that's that's more than an excuse but um i was just thinking um we're, we're back to the minimalist thing because i think you might like that and, and anybody listening might like it too it's basically these two guys it was directed by a guy matt diavella and um, basically it's about these two guys that were working like a wall street type life they were earning you know 100k a year they had the best car they had the best of everything um you know the mortgage everything that they, they could have ever dreamed for and they were depressed so they both stood back you know done therapy had a counselor and reassessed their lives and they realized there was all these material things all these um filling this void of you know thinking spending will bring happiness but actually they became depressed so now they have this 33 item thing now i don't think me and you could probably do it but a lot of people around the world do it where you've 33 items and that's all you need you know you've got one toothbrush you've got one shaver you've just got one set of jeans one pair of runners, you've got your gym runners, you've got your, you know, etc. And it, it's like by decluttering and getting rid of all of this stuff, material stuff that you don't need, but hang on to because it's in your head that it makes you feel happy or it's there if you need it. Um, supposedly, if you let go of it, it, it can be one way of finding um, inner peace and calm and presence. I don't know. But. We have this thing where I've always been saying it lately even more so lately where i'm just gonna at some stage i'm just gonna fuck off and be a monk yeah i could see you doing that and i'm not that i'm a buddhist or not that i'm into religion or any of those things but it's the fact that you just go up i have the haircut already so <laughs> all i have is two pieces of cloth one to wash and one to wear and that's it and the monks in thailand travel free everywhere wakao did it wakao was a famous muay thai fighter in thailand idolized and it's your duty to be as a Buddhist male to be a monk at some stage of your life for a day, a month, a year, or whatever. So, not that I am a Buddhist, but I like the the vibration of it. I like the um, the acceptance of their life, their um, acceptance of death. They're not afraid of death. That's the biggest problem in the Western world. Terrified to die. Terrified. Terrified to live. Terrified to live. Yeah, there's a book I'm reading, Hagakuru, Way of the Samurai, and it says, 
Um, in a situation where you have to choose life or death, always choose death. And I, I was perplexed by that for a long time. I was like, what's that mean? Just kill yourself? If you choose life, you're just going to hang on to it. Oh, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I'm already dead. From the time I was born, I'm already dead. It's programmed for me to die. If I accept that I die, then you're going to live fully. Because that's already done. I'll live 100% instead of worrying about death. It's done. I'm already dead. Mm-hmm. Whereas the biggest problem is a, like, um, there was a guy called Jeff Thompson. He, he wrote this book called Watch My Back. He used to listen to a podcast. He went from this kind of like angry doorman to this kind of uh, guy that went off and rag, read the, the Bible, the Quran, the Bhagavad Gita, and then looked at all the ancient stories and, and became a philosopher and used to teach these other camps where, you know, went from violence to uh, philosophy. And um, he, he had this um, pyramid of fear. Uh, and, you know, at the top of the pyramid is death. And at the bottom is all the other little shit that you're afraid of. And steps up from there like spiders or grass or clowns or whatever, balloons. And then it gets up. And at the pinnacle of that is, is death. You know? And I always used to say my goal in life is to be happy. But it's my goal in life is not to be happy. It's to be of no fear, fearless. Mm. And you'll be happy. Because if you're, if you're happy when you're still afraid of dying, because that's the ultimate fear. Mm. It's always going to be in the back of your mind, yeah. I mean, you can see it now with people just like panicking. <gasps> what are we going to do? You're going to die. <laughs> this is going to happen at some, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe in 10 years, maybe 20, maybe whatever. It's certain, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just one of those things. And in my lifetime, I've had a near-death experience, and it was, uh, was where I'm like, I'm actually going to die now, um, and that was profound. How did that happen? <sighs> it was just one of those nights where I was, I was dying, <laughs> and um, it was kind of. You'd need another two hours on this, but just as a short version of it. I was convinced I was dying there and then on the middle of the road. And um, I could feel my life, you know the way they say, flashing in front of you. And all I had was fucking regret. I should have done this. I should have said that. I wish they were here with me. And I was on my own. And I was just unfulfilled, unhappy. And that changed me a lot. Because I... When, when I got over that, I realized that's coming again. It's like a minute like now. It's like the reality we're in now and then you die. But you're not going to be ready. I, was I wasn't ready. You know, you didn't tell me it was today. How the fuck are you going to be ready? It's just coming. And it, when it came like that, I was just like, you know the way your whole life, they say your whole life flashes in front of you? Yeah, it did. And they could see the, the tunnel coming towards me. And I was just like, oh, why me? Why now? Why victim, 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 victim? And after that, changed me as in uh, in a lot of ways like I say today I, I, I wrote to three people randomly and told them I loved them like all the things are I want to leave anything on. if I die tomorrow I'm happy that I that I did everything that I thought I'd do or tried or didn't leave things that, that I should have said and would have said and could have said you know and I found that was that was the biggest thing I just wasn't ready but you're never going to be fucking ready so I think I don't I don't fear it anymore because I've experienced it, mm-hmm. and when I did experience it, the the fear I felt and the the unreadiness I felt, I just thought that's never happening again because this is happening again. I'm gonna die again, 
but this time it'll, I will die. But I'll be, I'll be, I would have done all the shit that I wanted to do. You know, there'll come a day where, like, it's a good day to die. Have you ever seen that film? No. Uh, what's a fucking, is it called Little Big Man? Little Big Man, yeah. <laughs> and as a, as a chief, the Indians used to die on certain days, and the chief goes off to die, and he's like, today is a good day to die. So he goes, I've heard it, I've definitely heard it before, you know, but I just haven't seen the movie. But I'm just thinking, another yeah. question I could probably throw at you is I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm 23 um, and I suppose you've been in the game and around the block a lot longer than I am I'm from Drimna you're from Crumlin so we've, we both come from <laughs> I want to ask you what advice would you give to a 21, 22, 23 year old Colin well i tell you what I was doing when I was 21, 23 what are you 23 now yeah when I was 23 I was racing in Guadeloupe and and I wanted to be dead by forty. That that was that was the goal. Like, yeah, I'll just fucking redline the fuck out of this shit. Live a thousand miles then, an hour. Yeah, a thousand miles an hour. And then um obviously <laughs> life goes on and then uh, I found then when I got to twenty eight I had my midlife crisis. I think people like your parents had that midlife crisis when they were in their 40s because they'd already had kids and it was only after the kids were ready were 40 and then they had a midlife crisis but if you don't get like a lot of people get married later now and kids later so at 28 if you're not married with a bunch of kids which you probably might be right you had this kind of like midlife crisis of where I'm going with my life and what's happening what's happening but with, at 23 I would just say you're fucking bulletproof and I, I'd redline the fuck out of my 20s that's what I'd say I'd just go everything a million miles an hour and then eventually you'll realise, actually this race is longer than I thought it was going to be go down or else it's just going to fucking explode or you won't. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'd just say, I'd say experience everything, do everything. Travel would be, would be my, would be first one. Realise who you're talking to. Realise that who you're talking to mightn't be the person you think it is. And, and be accepting of the smart fool. Don't discard anybody. Don't underestimate anybody. Don't just think, ah, oh, he's just a fool, or he's just this, or he's just the, he's just cleaning the ground. Be be careful who you're talking to, and 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 uh, be aware that some people are not as they seem, and that's in a good and in a bad way. Um, I used to be always very like I wouldn't talk to people, I wouldn't be open with people, I'd be assuming everyone's an asshole before I met them. Now I'm a bit more. Um, Harry Krishna. Yeah, open to actually engage because mm. sometimes that engagement is great. Most of the time it's not. All right, I'll give you that. But some of the, I, there's some people that I know that engage with everybody. I think, oh, but every now and then there's a little bit of magic, you know? And um, that, one of the books I read, uh, Illusions, is about the second coming of Christ. Now, I'm not into Jesus or God or any of that stuff, but you never know who you're talking to, and it might just be Jesus. Because at the end of the day, nobody knows. Do you know that what I'm saying? Like, no one knows whether there's a heaven or hell. No one knows whether there's a God or a devil. No one really knows, right? They can all say belief and whatever. It's just belief, whatever. But are you willing to believe that might be true? And that the person that's sitting across you that you discarded because you just thought, oh, I'm better than him. Because that's what you're doing when you're 23, right? You're better than everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm just this and that. You know, mm-hmm. you have this guy. Like, the ego kicks in. 
well, yeah, tw- 23, you're just like invincible, right? It's just like, ah, man, you can't get your head around a lot of shit, right? Because it's only, you're only in the game five years, right? 18, 23, right? Yeah. You're not even in the game. Do you know what I mean? You're not even in the game. You're like, on the, you're scaring around the outside of it, flipping around, and no one's letting you in. No one's going to let you in for a little bit until you're like, oh, like yeah, what's his name again? Yeah, how long is he here? Eight years. Bring him in there, get him to make the tea. You know that kind of way. So no one's letting you in the game, even though you think you're running the game. You haven't a fucking clue what's going on. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's what I'd say. I'd say just fucking, like, just have a ball, travel, but be aware that who you're talking to might be just Jesus. That's that would amazing. Be, that, would be, that would be my advice. That's amazing. Um, I, I I don't know if you've, have you ever read Sapiens? With your blurry background? <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm going to write it down. Sapiens. Send it to me. Yeah. What is it? It looks like a big book. It's it's about 380 pages, I think. Um, But there's actually more. There's more in it now. But it's Yuval Noah Harari. Basically, it's about humankind. But I'll read out the first kind of... I'd say it's it's like a... It's not a content. It's more like a... Yeah, it's called The Timeline of History. But I'll just read it out to you. So, 13.5 billion years before the present matter and energy appear beginning of physics atoms molecules appear beginning of chemistry 4.5 billion years later formation of planet earth 3.8 million emerge of organisms and the beginning of biology right but it works the whole way down and it gets all the way down to kind of modern day and then the last part is the present and then the future and the future is right. intelligent design becomes the basic principle of life. Homo sapiens is replaced by superhumans. AI. It's a great book. Yeah. I think you should read it. I know. See, I don't, I don't believe in evolution. You don't? No. I respect <laughs> that. I don't believe we came from fishes and monkeys and all that stuff. No. So you're going more in a spiritual way? No, it's just it's you know the way sometimes you just you just have a feeling about stuff. I don't know why or whatever. Like, but like, I don't believe we were monkeys and then we progressed on that. You know, other you know other type of humans and then we, I just it just doesn't sit with me. You know that kind of way. It's like yeah, it is hard like, to swallow. Yeah, believe it. Some people believe in Jesus. I don't believe we were fish and you know just evolved. I just don't. It just doesn't sit with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell you what, I do believe in consciousness and possibility. Yeah. You know, because I look at my old man, my old man's got dementia, and like, you see a guy who becomes not himself anymore, and when they're in that transition from consciousness of of a, of a, a human that you know, to this kind of like, blurriness of memory, to blurriness, to changing memories, to no memories, and then you see that, I mean, what's his version of reality? compared to what my version of what his reality was before. If you know what I mean. So that's why a lot, a lot of it is just what com- computes in the brain or in the mind or whatever the fuck that is. And I think a lot of it's just experience. And a lot of it's just consciousness. I, and I, I really think we're beyond the physicality of the planet. I really think we're beyond the physicality of ourselves. And I, and I just don't fathom um, that I was once a fish, <laughs> or whatever. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, and I, I think mean, it's it's it's, it's, it's a matter like of perspective. It's just like it just doesn't sit with me. It's like people tell me this, but it's just like I just don't believe it. It's just like someone who's lying to your face. It's just like I don't believe you're telling me the fucking truth. I can see your nose is growing, bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what yeah, I mean? It's just, just like, it, it doesn't register. Sometimes you just got a feeling on things, and it's not like you know. Okay, there's the there's the, the there's the proof, and there's the this, and it's like I don't really care. It just doesn't sit with me. Uh, unfortunately, I'm a bit like that with religion. I, I wish I probably wasn't, but. Like even Ricky Gervais, as I know he's a comedian and most of his work is comedy, but he said this great thing on, on a talk show in the States where the guy said to him, look, I know you're an atheist and you, you speak openly about being an atheist. And Ricky said, look, he said, there's 3,000 gods out there and, you know, you're a Christian. And the host said, yeah. He said, well, then you just don't believe in 2,999 gods I don't. You know, you, you believe in one more god than I do. And he said, like, if yeah. you take all the science books and you burn them yeah. in 100 years, 200 years, you know, all those uh, all those kind of experiments, the proof will come out again. But if you take every religious book and burn it and two, three hundred years, you know, it's not going to come back up. It was created by humans. And I like that because it kind of makes me think then maybe there is a, you know, uh, something more powerful than us. Maybe there is something spiritual. Maybe there is something that we should believe in. But. I think the consciousness and possibility. I love that. I think it's like just grabbing, ball, grabbing, grabbing the the world or grabbing your life by your hands and taking control of it and yeah, meeting those people. people. Like, I've been saying lately, we are all one, and we are. I mean, that's not that's just about people, just about nature and trees and the sea and not that I get into hugging trees or anything like that, but like it's all big one life form, you know, and and there's a connection between between everything and you can see like now where even since they've stopped making shit <laughs> it's just like mm-hmm. the pollution's gone down and stuff right yeah yeah China and had its first like blue sky recently like I was up here the other day swimming in the sea and I'd never seen it so clear and, and then the guy says well it's because the boats aren't out turning it up I said, fuck yeah I never that looked amazing that. yeah and it's just like you know I think there's just like if you stop for a second and and look what's going on. You're just, you're just all big part of the same shit. And it's just, it's just life. I mean, like, like and if people want to believe in, in a religion or and it makes them happy, great. I'm delighted for you. But it's, it's, um, I suppose like, like at one stage, like Catholicism was, was before politics. That, that was the laws of the land. Same with like, you know, in Muslim countries, the law of the land is the Muslim way. So, like, here before politics, Catholicism was the actual law of the land. And there were horrible things they did to people, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's kind of like, I suppose it's probably the glue that got society together. You needed one focus that everybody kind of goes into and have a set of rules. And then, um, if you do this, it's bad. If you do this, it's good. And then, let's all form this and form that. And then you build a city and everyone works together otherwise you just got a fellow over there and a fellow over there and a fellow over here but if everyone works together and you got a a collectiveness and probably at the start a primitive way would have been god or religion and then as as technology's moved on it's probably the internet and community as people call it but um it's just a different way of getting people together so i think in in a sense where religion yeah had its purpose but i think it's kind of dogmatic it's old-fashioned I think people have moved on where 
there's another way to communicate. You already have moralistic views because the way you were brought up by your parents. Like an example of uh, somewhere where that has no religion is Iceland. Did you notice 95% atheists? No. I got there and it's just like, there's something really cool about this place. I don't know what it is. But like you go into a cafe and you can see the guy, everything is made with love. Like you can see the guy picked every piece of wood on the ground and there's a cat sitting over there. And it's just like, there's a nice vibe in here. And everyone's very express themselves because like, why are you dressing like that? Because Jesus will see you and he doesn't like the way you're dressed. You're scared to see your hair should be this. You know, it's all this kind of like, well, you have your hair spiky, God, blah, blah, blah. you know, all these kind of rules and shit. Whereas then they don't have any. So they're very artistic people, like Bjork and all these guys, but they're also very free. And I couldn't figure out what it was, and it's, it's because mainly atheists. I think a lot of people are benchmarking off that now. They're trying to replicate it. And you can see it in European places like Amsterdam and hipster areas where people are trying to live that type of life now, where they're going out on their own and living that kind of um, independent no religion not i'm not tied down to anything or anything like that and it's it's definitely like being benchmarked off the likes of these places that you're saying i think people are trying to live yeah. them type of lives now yeah once you do the right thing once you're good to people and uh, and, and you know boy help people out mm. you know bit of good karma you know you know serve people mm. don't 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 look for favor it's don't like energy though it. as well it's, it's like yeah yeah just you know be a good person you know I mean? give but, off good vibes and they usually come back around don't they yeah like at the end of the day you gotta sleep with yourself you know that's cool <laughs> you no but you know at the end of the day you gotta sleep mm. with yourself you gotta look yourself in the mirror mm. and say to yourself well fuck it you know mm. you're the you know and that's that's what happens with a lot of people they have this front but you gotta sleep with yourself man you know, you got to wake up and look in the mirror and look at yourself. Mm. There's nowhere in there to see that only you, you know? And you're only lying Whereas to yourself, yeah. Ah, well, that's, that's, that's lie. And if your whole life is just a fucking lie, I mean, what are you at the end of the day, then? Mm-hmm. you got to have a little bit of truth in what you do. Mm-hmm. I know, look, I know you've been super busy and you've been training really hard and you kind of know, it's like, I suppose... Don't you know I've been super busy? <laughs> I, I see, I, I watch all the vlogs and I think they're only giving us a taste of how busy you are. I can only imagine... You probably do nothing, and, and just for that 20 minutes, you just, uh... You've just woke up. I doubled down, right? I doubled down, because, like, it's it. you know what's easy to do? Me, now, is to say, it's easy for me to get a belly and turn into a middle-aged politician and talk to you about, you know, when I was your age, son, and just quit. Do you know why? No one's going to say fucking jack shit to me. No one's going to say to me, Colin, you should be down the gym twice a day. You should be eating healthy. You should be looking after yourself. This is where the fucking race starts. Not, not when I'm your age. When I'm your age, I can do what the fuck I want. Nothing's like when I was your age, I used to smoke, drink, take loads of drugs, and that was it. Not a bother. You know what I mean? But at some stage, I can't do it now. Some stage, you got to start looking after yourself. But you can do what the fuck you want now. Whereas now, for me, I can just quit. And I can just sit back, and all i got to do is figure out what it pulled it travel it over the belly or under the belly get a fucking whistle and write coach across my chest do you know what I mean no one's going to complain about that but no I'm not going to do that do you know why because I still fucking can you know and and the, the thing is you know it just takes a little bit more work it's not even that it's a little bit more work it's just that you're doing it for so long you know what I mean you're doing it for so long like if you're in the game for five years or if you're in the game 30 years 30 years all of a sudden you know I'm doing this how long are you doing the podcast? Um, since April last year so almost yeah it's touching yeah. on a year 
Right, say you were doing, okay, it's super fresh, right? Say you did that for 30 more years. You might get a bit stale of it, right? But that's what happens with people with life. They do the same thing and they never progress. They never reinvent themselves. They never try and move on to something else. And in 30 years' time, you just hate your job, hate your life, hate your fucking podcast. But that's not what you're going to be doing. Like every 10 years, I reinvent myself. Every 10 years, I go, right, okay, what used to get me, what got me excited? What got you excited when you start doing a podcast for us, when you start coming up with ideas? What was that feeling? It wasn't a podcast. It was just something new. It was something like fresh, something on the Tuesday. Now, when that gets stale, well, then that will progress into something else, or it doesn't. And then you just become that fat middle-aged politician I was talking to you about, you know, that I never want to be, nor will I be, because I'll always find the excitement in something that got me up out of bed, that got me excited about life, got, got me excited about doing things, and got me excited about bettering myself. Like what you're doing now, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I so, I think, um, like, like say, now, today I tried twice. Like I got up, I have a three hour, I have a three hour um, ritual I do in the morning. This time now for me is just a godsend that I have, I don't have to teach a class every night because I'm in, when I go back to Portugal, I teach a class every night at six o'clock. I don't have anyone coming to the door asking me about training and what MMA is. <laughs> or I want to do kickboxing on Wednesday. <laughs> I fuck right off. Um, and I just, I come down to the gym before the dawn, I'm up before, and I greet the sun. And in that, and I drink some water. I drink like a liter of water. Tristan Kennedy's doing my my diet at the moment. My my, my food plan, not a diet, it's a food plan. So I, I wasn't hydrating enough, so I drink like little charcoal purified water. I think it runs through it. It's great little yolk. I drink one of them in the morning. I started using my uh, ninjutsu weapons again. I'm a tour down black belt under Roy McCarthy from BBD in ninjutsu. And I started using the bokeh. I started using the uh, longbow. I started using the kasari. I started using my katana, and um, I started doing mobility because I had a pain in my hip. And and now I've started doing all that. All that's gone. And um, I have a three-hour session in the morning that I do every morning. Then I eat, and and then I I'll, I'll do run, do normal stuff, and then I'll, I'll do a second session. Like I got a session in just before this, you know. Or I could just sit at home and watch fucking Netflix. No one's going to give out to me. Like, no one gives a fuck. But I do. Because I still have, like, the way I look at it, I've got 10 more years of physicality. And then when those 10 years up, I'm going to look for spirituality. And I'm going to just go walk in the earth, right? I'm going to go off and maybe be a monk and be, like, work on the, on the spirituality of things when the body starts to kind of, like, fail a little bit or be less... But I look at other guys like Steve Maxwell, he's 68, he's still rocking it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's my that's my plan. Like, like either do it or fuck off. You know what I mean? Either do it, don't talk about it. Don't say like, um, oh, I'm going to train on Monday. What, how about like the amount of people that say to me, be me in the street here, I'll be training on Monday. Like I was going to get a t-shirt one stage where like, I'll be training on Monday. Like, like Monday's special. I don't even know what day it is. Like what day is today? It's Tuesday, I think. I don't even know that. Hmm. But there's a reason you don't know it because you're not working on days, you're working on routines and you're working on, you know, regiment schedules and structure. But I'm working off, I'm working off a different calendar. Like, you're working, do you know what calendar you're working off? Life's. 
I work no, full time. I work nine to five. I mean, that's that dictates my life. Unfortunately, Monday to Friday. I, I don't know if there. So there's twelve months in a year and a year and all that. Do you know whose calendar that is? Do you know what it's called? You ever thought about it? No. Have you thought there's other calendars in the world that you could work with? No. No, actually. <laughs> What what do you call so my calendar? Off is a twelve month calendar. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And that's what Sunday, I'm right? working on. That's what you're working on, right? That's what most people work off, right? Do you know who's, you know what it's called even? No. You're working off. No. That you've embedded into, right? We're, you know, and talking about monkeys and fishes and all that shit, you don't even know what calendar you're on. It's called the Julian calendar. I didn't know Papa that. Julian calendar. After Julius Caesar. So Julius Caesar is dictating your life. how you see things and how you progress and how you schedule things. Was he a Roman emperor, was he? A Julius Caesar, yeah, yeah, Roman emperor, yeah, <laughs> that's a guy. Yeah, crazy <laughs> guy. Ever us, right? <laughs> so you're working off from something like 491 AD, you're working off a calendar that was invented then. And you're not? So I don't work off that. No. What do you work off? Your own? Lunar. Lunar cycles. Um... Because, um, now obviously when I go on board with other things, you have to work off a schedule, yeah, as in like yeah. at 4 p.m. you have to go meet somebody, right? But just as, um, just because it's Monday doesn't give a fuck. <clears throat> just because it's Monday doesn't mean I do sprints. Like I used to have like, Monday I do sprints, Tuesday I do this, Wednesday I do I don't do that no more. Like I'll work off like my rhythms, the rhythms of the, the moon. I've got into um, going out and doing astral photography here because it's, Super dark. It's a super complex thing to be able to do. Uh, I don't know if you've seen them. I do like time lapses. Absolutely, yeah. The Milky Way is unbelievable. Super difficult to do. Like it, you basically. Um, how, do you, how do you zoom no it? Yeah, basically you go it's out. It's amazing when, it, when there's no moons. It has to be pitch dark, um, and then so you can't turn on your phone, and you got to take a photograph that you know when you press the button on your camera. You know about cameras, do you? Shutter speed. So you press the cameras like... That's one hundredth of a second. Right? When you take a photograph of the stars, it's 20 seconds. So it's like... 20 seconds and then it closes. And it gathers all the light. Because that's what a camera does. It gathers light. It doesn't take your photograph. It just gathers light, right? So 20 seconds is open. It takes photographs of all the available light, which is the reflection of the sun and the stars. And that comes in. And then I have to take... Every 30 seconds, I take one photograph. Now, to make the to make it move and animate it, it's 25 frames per second. That's what a movie is. You know, the stick books? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So a film is just frames per second, photographs per second to make it move. So I have to take, I take 500 photographs, one every 30 seconds, and I'm there for three or four hours in the complete darkness. And uh, at the start, I found it very daunting because um you know if you've watched some horror movie earlier on you're like what's that you know yeah, you hear yeah, this kind of the paranoia kicks in paranoia kicks in like what's that behind me is that something there you know so <laughs> yeah. but after a while you, you realize i could kick the shit out of anyone that goes here <laughs> do you know what i mean like well, but not not a ghost not a ghost though <laughs> no, 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 not a ghost. yeah so yeah then that you know and and that was the biggest thing to get over the fear of the dark because you're a city boy. You're not used to ever being mm. so dark that I can't even... I turn around, I don't know where the fucking 
camera is. It's in front of me. I can't even see the fucking thing. And I just mm. and then I get the shot. And then you put them together. And um, <clears throat> actually did my best one um, about a week ago. Uh, I've been planning it. Um, the Milky Way oh, one, was it? Milky Way. It's a Milky Way season. The Milky Way is always visible, but from in the Northern Hemisphere where we are now, um, from April till October, the center, the galactic center, galactic core is visible. And it's just this big cluster with a whole cloud of stars around mm-hmm. it. And it's like un- unbelievable. And like until like 30 years ago, there was only nine planets. Now there's millions of planets. Like when you look at a star, every single star up there has a planet going around it. Mm. When you see all those like stars up there, they've all got a planet going around it. And some of them inside that are like, like, they're like galaxies. You know what I mean? Like you see Andromeda in the sky at night and it's a galaxy with a trillion stars in it. And it really puts things into perspective of like how meaningless your little blip is. And um, another interesting thing happened the other night when I was... It's a, there's a couple of things from moisture and shit like that. The lens fogs up, so you can be there all night and then not see till the end that your whole lens was fogged up and you've got nothing, you know. <clears throat> so I have this like heated um, sleeve that goes around the lens to heat it up. It's all these like wacky down the road. But you're learning, but I suppose. Yeah. yeah, it is, and it's an expensive learning trip, right? So because when you can only do it three times a month, and hopefully there's no clouds. So you don't get that much to be able to get it. It took me years to be able to do it. Um, and the other night I was out and it was the most, the best clarity in the sky I've ever seen. And the Milky Way looked like unbelievable. And then about five o'clock at night, the camera flashed up the photograph and there was a streak across the, the, the screen. And usually that's a plane. And I have a nap to see what planes are up in the sky at the moment. And I knew there was no planes up because of the, the virus thing. Looked on the app, there's no planes. And I was looking for this thing. I was, where the fuck is it? And I see this thing moving across the sky. And then I look, and then another one, and then another one. And in the sky, there was like a train of like eight satellites. It's a SpaceX Starlink, uh, Elon Musk's um, venture into space. Have you heard about this? Yeah, absolutely. But I haven't seen it. I, well, how would you see? You live in a city. Like I, I come crazy. out looking for it before. But the other night at 5 a.m. And it, went, it took 10 minutes for them all to go past. And it was just, it blew my mind. Absolutely blew my mind. And just to think that that thing. Now, he's got a, he's got a thing for like, I think 20, is it 24,000 or 42,000 satellites that he's going to put into the space and basically web the whole fucking planet with, with whatever 5G or whatever people are terrified of. Do you agree that, with that? That freaks me out. Pardon? Do you agree with that? No. Who's given him the authority to do that? He has it. Money. I think it's either 24 or Have a look at the Google afterwards. Well, it's going to completely like web the whole planet on the outside. And they're not even that high. Like It used to be like the TV satellite um, things were like 53,000 kilometers up. The screen, you know, the long ways up. It's because they were stagnant. Whereas these ones are, are fucking close bombing around. He, he really is a, a real life Iron Man. I don't know. I, I think he's one of these. I think he's one of these experimental guys, like sending a, a Tesla into space with like that dummy body going up to Mars and stuff. Like crazy stuff that guy is doing, and nobody's stopping him. He, the world is his playground. He made a he made a flamethrower and sold like twenty thousand of them in like three days. 
Yeah, I think it masquerade. I think like yeah. he, he sold the car and everyone was kind of like, oh, hipsters, shit bought it, thought it was great, and then he's starting to do other stuff that might be a little bit dark. I don't know, but I did. I think at the time when I saw, it, I thought it was amazing, and then the more I thought about it, I thought. I don't think this is such a good thing. I don't think this is a, like because if you if you think about it, like if you're able to color in all the electrical currents that are going through the air at the moment, like Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, radio waves, and, and they all had a color, and you could see them, like what it would look like. Good that, show. That to me is more than stuff like whether we came from monkeys or not. But, do you know what I mean? That to me is more stuff that that I think will have an effect on. On, on a human being than, than a lot of other things. Well, I got a text uh, message on WhatsApp um, when the virus kind of was only starting off and this message came yeah. from this this uh, like conspiracy type page and they were basically saying that Wuhan installed, I think it was 5,000 5G towers or something and Northern Italy also did it. Um, and that's it's the radiation or whatever you want to call it that's born in people's brains and so on. And then somebody sent me the craziest text ever and said, <laughs> you're going to laugh at this. I know what you're talking about. They're building one in Fibsburg beside Daily Mount Park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, but, but I'm saying like people are blaming this now on 5G and stuff like that. Now, I, I mean, I'm not arguing with conspiracy theorists. Like some of them make some valid points. Like the earth is not flat, so I'm not even going to get into that. But this whole... Um, uh, I'm trying to think now what one that I, I do agree with is probably was the virus made in a lab like that I do question I know the wet markets and stuff are like a valid source for it to come from there and then from an animal into a human but there's a lot of stuff that's going on right now Colin that we don't know about and I think we can think and talk about it all day but the virus a recession you know every 8 to 10 years a recession hits or whatever and and all these things happen. There's a cycle in life. I think right now the timing of this and China buying all the stocks and America taking a hit and all this, all the healthcare around the world is really taking a massive blow to the economy. I think there's a little bit more going on here that we don't know about. Um, see, the thing is, I'm not educated enough to, to, to even comment on it. Yeah, neither am I. Definitely not. So what, I'll go back to the first one, which was, I'm willing to believe that everything I know is wrong. Yeah. Unless there's ba unless you're based on the yeah, yeah. evidence. So of there's a, there is a there is a there's a there's a story of this which is there's a virus, um, you know it's going to kill two percent of the world and it's a pandemic, but I'm also willing to believe that's wrong. You're but open for you're open for a debate or or discussion. So yeah, but I won't get lost in the noise either. Like I say, I'm going to wait for the hair to sit. At the moment, everything's running around like fucking headless chickens. How can I make a decision in that storm? I have to wait for the calm before I can make a decision on it. Whereas if that keeps scattering, everything's scattering. Hey, this and that, fucking blah. You know, now I heard it from a good source. You know, a friend of mine works in the Doyle, and he heard it from another fellow that was sitting on a giant. You know all these things, right? Mm. But if you listen to that noise, that's what, like, the other day I turned on Sky News, and I don't watch the TV, and I, I turned it on, I don't know, I turned it on twice, I was dragged into it, and I just felt sick after it. And I said, I can't, I, I can't listen to that. It doesn't, it's not for me. You didn't train you know? that day either, didn't you? Not? No, it, it upset me, you know, and like, 
like I, I wake up in the morning and I, I do positive affirmations and, and um, I try and try and get better than I did yesterday. I try and improve on what I did yesterday and try and try and not try, just do. Try is a bad word. Stop trying, just fucking do it. And I, I do, I do work to get better. Some days I have bad days, some days I have good days, but that's life. You know what I mean? Some days it's not always going to be roses. There's going to be days where you don't want to get out of bed, and that, that's okay. Don't be reaching for a pill. If you're feeling down, stay in it. It'll pass. You know, and that's a lot, a lot of people nowadays. This is whole, whole kind of like, um, I should be happy all the time. Life's not like that. You're not going to be happy all the time. You can't be. It's not possible. You're going to be down. You're going to be up. But I like to keep it like middle. I don't want to be too happy. I don't want to be too sad. I just want to be nice, steady state. So have a little thing. I, I do my my positive affirmations in the morning. I do my gratitude in the evening. Um, and I try and do the, do the best I can do. Not try. I do the best I can do on that day. And some days I don't feel like doing anything. I don't do anything. Some days I don't feel like getting out of bed. I don't get out of bed. Some days I'm a fucking animal and I just fucking murder it. And everything goes my way. And I'll take them. Some days I'm on fire. Some days I'm not. But I'll just take them all because I want to experience it all. And for me, it's just like, I get one go with it. And that day is coming. And it'll come too fast. But I would have crammed it all in. That's that's what I'm looking to do. So like right now in what we're in, it's all the chaos is on. Let the chaos pass. It'll pass. Then I'll make a decision on what's what. But right now, I'll keep busy with what I can control, and that's me. And what I can control is all this noise. So I don't want to avoid it in. So for me now, it's a case of someone sends me something, I just don't open it. Someone, I don't, you know, I've, I've, I'm just creating. I'm not consuming. I'm just making. I'm not eating. I'm I full. love that. That's really good. That's tough. I just, I just want to, like, I don't, wanna, I don't need to know. All I need to know is, like, I get up every day and I make a fucking video, and I bang it out, and then, there you go. Whatever. Do you know what I'm loving um, most about your videos right now? The time lapses yeah. in the morning and that are great, like, you know, but, but I'm used to them, which I, I think every time I'm looking at it, I'm trying to see how you're getting better at it, because they're always improving, but I'm loving the end of the videos now, where you're in this, oh, like, where you're looking like Colin Farrell in... In the uh, in the gentleman, yeah. that's a fact. That yeah. I don't know if it's the glasses or not. And and shout out to the to the heads up hat shop in uh, in in, in uh, George's arcade. But no, the end of your videos, where you're sitting in the dark and you know you're in your dojo and you've got the shades on, you've got the hat on, and you do this shout out. Um, and you, it's not even a sh right. Forget about shout out because I'm not even going to call it that because people that are listening to this podcast are watching. Uh, it, it's not a show out it's it's like story time it's like let's you know uh, uh, let's take a trip back down memory lane like the one where you told about your friend um who introduced you you know to john Kavanagh and you were a doorman with him and you walked in the you know you played the piano and that but you took me and you have a skill you have this skill because before i finish i want to say this definitely it, it deserves to be said you have this skill, like you talked about your old man and you talked about how with dementia and that and all these different things. I work in a hospital, so I know exactly what that's like dealing with those people that, that are in MESA, um, Mercer's Institute yeah. for Successful Aging. So w when you make these videos, like Christmas Day, the vlog you done where you drove down in the Land Rover and, and your father was there and family were there and stuff, you think of all of the family members or all the extended family or friends that are, you know, might send you a text, how are you keeping, Colin? Hope you're out as well or whatever. Th that video like will always be there 
and you'll always remember that Christmas and you'll always remember all of them. But what I'm saying is what happens when you get to that age and you become, you know, the 70, 80, 90 year old man, them videos are going nowhere. Do you know where no, I'm coming from? Yeah, You've got a skill. You have that skill. You capture the moment and make a story. Do, do you know what? Do you know what it is? Like I could always tell a story, always tell a story. Mm. It was always one to tell a story, and then can you do it with a camera? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's like can you can you move through space and time with hands and feet kicking and punching? Can you do it with a can you do it with a blade? Can you do it with a longbow? Can you do it with a thing? Once you put something in someone's hand, it just becomes that thing. Ah. Yeah, but see and the reason the reason you I think the reason why you can do it with a camera is because you don't change. And I don't think you you don't put do on the front. Is, You're authentic. You know what it is, Ross? Practice. Hmm. I do it a lot. Like I've shot about six hundred vlogs. I do it a lot. Like if you look back at the first ones I ever did, they're terrible. No, like, the, yeah, like I know what you mean. I, I mean, I would, they're terrible. Practice. You're your worst critic. If you look at, you did the worst. If you look at, like, I'm, I, I, I here, here. My best vlog I did the other day and I went swimming and running the steps. I've watched that myself about 30 times and it makes me laugh because I don't know who the fuck I'm looking at. Do you know what I mean? I look at it and it makes me laugh because all of that is in one take, in one shot off the top of my head. I do everything in one take. I don't overshoot. Everything's one take. Whatever happens, happens. Even the stories about people that I'm talking about, that's all. So I sit down, I'll have a, I'll have a beer and I'll just waffle. And what it does is, one, it makes me remember stories that I haven't haven't thought about for a while. It's like at the moment I'm writing a book. It's my book. It's not for you. It's not for anybody. It's for me. And you start off anywhere. And um, you write a page a day or minimum. And it can just start wherever you want. And all of a sudden you remember these things that you, you completely forgot about. Mm. And it just makes you smile or not. <laughs> mm. But it's kind of like... I, I think I'm I've the reason why I'm doing them daily now is because this time that we have now it's it's monumental. I think it's going to make a huge difference to a lot of people uh, to the whole. We've never and the other thing is I've got a captive audience of the whole fucking planet. <laughs> That's the other thing, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone's sitting at home bored out of shit, so I just thought, you know what? They came while the sun shines. If nobody, if everybody else is flapping, and I'm enjoying every single minute of this, I'm gonna just make a video about it. And all I'm doing now is becoming better at being me. And this for me, this is my monk phase. This is the monk I've always wanted to be. I just get up before the sun. I do my routine. I put the camera on and I capture it. And this is this is the bit where I fucked off to be a monk. And that's how I look at this. It's a transitional period. Stop looking, listen. And how we come out of it is how we come out of it. At the end of the day, I'll still be me, you'll still be you, you know? And that's it. And, and, and the better for it. Because the, the other thing as well is how will it be to be able to go up and hug someone again? How will it be to sit and have a coffee and shake someone's hand again? How will that be in, in six months or a year or two years? I can't wait or for Or whatever. It. Like, I'm in for the long haul. I'm thinking 18 months here. Or not. But it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter, but like, I mean, time is a is a is a weird weird creature in itself. Like, it's not linear. It's not just like I don't know. When in your mind, what way do you see a week? You see it like a straight line. Yeah, true. I mean, yeah. 
It's a good question. I mean, I see it based on what I've got coming up. Do you see like one straight line Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? How do you see it? Something like that. See, I don't. Why do you see it? I see it like a loop. It's As got in? Like a track. Oh, an oval track you've got. Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday. And it's constantly loops. Nice. I never had a straight line. It just loops. Nice. Doesn't matter what day it is. I'm going to end up there again. Well, see, that's the cyclist okay. in you. It probably is, but it's always been like that with me. It's just the, the loop of it. It's just, it doesn't, like, I, I don't hold truck in what day it is. It doesn't matter. What matters is what the fuck I'm doing. And how this is. Everything else to take care of itself. If I can't get that right, I can't get the rest of it right, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's why it, it, it's so important to, to start, like, I'll give you a, t- a tip. And I, and I stole this off Joe Howie, a good friend of mine. What is my non-edible treat for today? Please say, what's my treat for today? That's your positive affirmations. Yeah, I'll have a bar of chocolate and a cup of tea. Thank you very much. What's my non-edible treat? So how am I going to treat myself that I can't eat it? And that's a good one to start. Mm. And then, I will only do good and only good things will happen to me. And I, I said to Joe, the last time I met him, I said, you know what, Joe? Nothing bad, nothing bad ever happens to me. You can put me on a plane, plane crashes, and there's one guy survives, and it's going to be me. Bulletproof. Nothing ever happens to me. Ever. In all the mad shit I've gone through, I've been in riots in Africa, I've been like in all sorts of chaos. Come out. Shining. And he said, don't say nothing bad ever happens to you. Only great things happen to me. And that's a good way to start, you know. Mm, start switch it around. It's, or instead of, I'm not a morning person. Don't fuck yourself. I love morning, say, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, I have no time for that. I'm not a, oh, I'm not a morning person. Like, what you going? The fact that you're alive, the fact the miracle that you're alive, be grateful that you're alive. You know, it's, it's, it's a magical thing. It's a magical thing. It's going to be good. It's going to be bad. But I want it all. I want to taste it all of it. I want all of it. I want the good. I want the shit. I want the, the muck, the dirt. But I want the glory as well. I want the... The ecstasy, I want the whole lot of it. All of it. You know, not just the you know, the pretty girl in the nice fucking in the nice dress. No, I want all of it. I want everything, you know? And I think like I I've so much more to do and so much more to give. And um I'm only getting going. I've been I'm I've been born I'm born for this. You know? Born for this. Everything that comes along, I'm born for this. That's why I was born. I'm born for this. I'm born for this moment. And I feel like I really genuinely believe that. Like when 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 all this shit happened, I was like, I'm fucking, I'm, I'm, I was born for this. Yeah, this I great. actually, I, I said that on a previous episode there, before this virus right. came along. Um, not this, not I was born for this, but I I said that, and I think it's a great way of looking at things. You know, like when something happens, a curveball is thrown at you, or something, a situation, everything's going smooth, and then out of nowhere spanners thrown in the works I treat it like a test and I say to myself how well do I want to do on this test do I want to fail it do I want to let my you know, mental state get to me do I want to let this win do I want to let that person win or whatever it is and I say no I, I want to smash this out of the park and I treat it with an attitude like I want an A plus good good that's a good attitude to have because you'll you get far you know you'll get far because otherwise you're just making up the fucking numbers, you know. And here's Johnny, you know. He was a nice fella. Kept 
himself to himself. <laughs> you know, no one shows up to the funeral. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Nobody cares. <laughs> this, was, this, was, um, this was episode number 50 of the podcast. Um, how, long, how long did we go there? And now, do you want to know exactly? Yeah, go on. We're on 138.15 at the moment, but we easily <laughs> spent about 20 minutes before all that, so solid two hours. Another two hours. Yeah, it was a good hell two hours. And it could have been else. another two hours, but um, I, I want to let yeah. you crack on. And that's it, yeah. But come here, Colin. I thank you so much for your time. Um, I suppose uh, I'll, I'll tag everything. I'll put all your uh, handles and links below for people to head over and um, hashtag Rafter. Hashtag Rafter. Do you know what, you know what that means? I, I've never even asked you, no. The Rafter. Love Joe it. Hennessy. I love it. Rafter. Brilliant. <laughs> Come here. Or as I like to say, I'm Hardy Krishna. I'll Good talk to you again soon. Thanks for your time, Colin. Cheers. Okay, Namaste. Coffee and a little bit of conversation.